Making a no-budget film? It's like going to war. But you're not General MacArthur. You're more like a squad of Viet Cong guerrillas behind enemy lines, trying to complete an impossible mission using guile and your wits. It's risky, difficult, and dangerous. I can swear to it. I've been there. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Grindhouse Podcast, putting the sin back in the cinema every Monday for your listening pleasure. Today, as you may have noticed by the time this podcast comes out, it is not Monday. In fact, over the weekend, it was the long 4th of July holiday, and as many of you were as well, I was traveling. Uh, Matt worked, but I was traveling to visit a friend of the show, Austin Aries. Shout out to Austin Aries. So this week we decided to do something a little bit different because of all the travel. It was a little difficult to coordinate our schedules. So we decided that we would do a little bit of a look back. Yeah, we're pulling a page from Hollywood. We are rerunning some of the best moments from our early, early episodes. So if you haven't listened to some of our early episodes, now is an opportunity to kind of see our early humble beginnings. Um, if you are a fan of those and you've been with us from the beginning, then hopefully you enjoy this look back as we take a look at the semi-best of the Grindhouse Podcast. So welcome to the inaugural episode of the Grindhouse Podcast. My name is Dave. I'm here with my partner in crime, Matt. How's it going? And today we're going to be talking about Mandy. Somehow I got it in my mind that this was a film where uh, Nicolas Cage uh, fights kids. I think I saw some other trailer and I got him <laughs> confused. And uh, so I would see right. this this bloody picture of Nicolas Cage with a ch- you know chainsaw. And I thought uh, he was either fighting children or saving children or something. I, I thought it was one of those uh, quirky uh, comedy horrors. And I said, you know, I, I could take my time getting to that. Maybe a little bit of a return to form for Nicolas Cage, at least in the eyes of the public. Oh, yeah. You know, because he, he is the kind of king of crazy. Uh, you know, he's, he's the guy that uh, he, he he's I think that's what why he works so well is because he he knows he so often in these roles he does not look cool he's he's right. he's uh, you know he's 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 losing his mind he's acting weird and uh uh you know uh, adaptation comes to mind i mean he looked like a mm-hmm. most tired loser you've ever seen but uh you know he, he doesn't you know and sometimes he does look cool you know you've got movies like uh, yeah. wild at heart where he is right. probably the coolest guy i've ever seen in my life and uh you know <laughs> this snakeskin jacket but when i think of mandy i'm taken back to like reading like Conan the Barbarian comics mm, when I was 13, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it, cause, it, because I, like through the use of psychedelic drugs and, and <laughs> different plot vehicles like that, the film transforms into this like crazy barbarian quest, you know, yeah. <laughs> like axes yeah, yeah, and magic and like, but it, but it, but at the same time it isn't, it's very clever, very, yeah, very, once I realized what they were doing, uh, I had a lot of fun with this one. There's a little bit of a, of a Beauty and the Beast, a little bit of a, the werewolf or Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in, in um, Nick Cage's character. And, you know, I feel like over the last few years, maybe since adaptation, sometime a little bit after that, Nick, people kind of forgot how great an actor Nick Cage is. And, and maybe have sort of, he's become more of a meme than he has been a, a really super talented actor. Not by his own yeah. fault, but just as a perception. I think people have looked back at some of his other projects and said he overacts or he's just is too crazy. But I watched an interview with him where he goes through some of his most memorable roles. And when you understand his his mindset behind the characters, especially his love of like German expressionist and trying to bring a more avant-garde sensibility to his acting to mainstream film. Possible and just, cannibalism. 
possible. Yeah, potential. Yeah. Or no, I'm pretty sure that's confirmed. Actually, oh. thinks he's Donovan or something. He's he's um yeah he's a ridiculous man. I a real barbarian, you know, a real yeah, warrior. Exactly. Warrior, really. He just the, the evil wizard. He, he right? does and he doesn't because he he maybe he yes he does represent that, mm-hmm. but he's also not that that's how he sees himself like he has right. all their little knives have special magic names every exactly. little thing but it's just bullshit all of it's bullshit right. i mean the fact that he has to to make himself look so impressive he has weirdos and druggies and hippies and failures and just losers you know the, the magician cult around him or whatever they you know their fancy name with all their relics none of it means anything oh yeah nobody wants to see that you know what this hack is you know he's an right. artist because he, he's an artist too and well, art, you he, know he fancies himself one anyway. no 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 andrew he's an artist and that's what's mm-hmm. great see i'm gonna tell you man there's lots of people are artists doesn't mean yeah. they're good artists you right, know what right, i'm right. saying and like yeah, true. yeah and sometimes when you meet one of these bad artists that you know just really believed for one reason or another that the world would just adore what they had and uh you, you find some really Really sour personalities, man. I don't know if, like, you know, in his developmental years, he he heard yes all the time, and a bunch of people, you know, but, like, at some point, he got out there in reality, and when he submitted himself, he got rejected, and uh, he has taken all these efforts to, you know, create a life where that that reality that you're a bad artist, man, like, you know, like, is not going to, like, come in you know he's not gonna be confronted with that again so when he when he he reveals himself to mandy it's it's that ultimate like uh you know putting your art out there for judgment you've got him you know completely exposed and tidy whities yeah no pants no pants (laughs) just 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 alternating between crying drinking and screaming (laughs) um his art is violence but oh. what's unleashed? What's unleashed from there and on is is his true self. You know, it's it's his version of the, of the um, it being released and and on a quest. You know, for revenge to, to whatever means that end gets to. One of the things about this film that's great is that, it's it's not trying to revolutionize, um, revenge films from the standpoint of story. Like it's pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. Yeah. Happy couple. One of them dies. I mean, this is essentially the, the plot to Hard to Kill. You know, Steven Seagal in some ways, right? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. But, Everybody's but, still. I mean, when are people going to stop stealing from Hard to Kill? I mean, <laughs> I, you know. We get it, and it's okay that it's weird. This is a, a piece of art. While, while you're on the subject of that wizard, uh, it's it's either it's a heightened sensitivity or something when you're on psychedelic drugs. Like, I'm not trying to promote the use of psychedelic drugs, but like, that's his like tool for his job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. naturally, he's just like. You haven't really seen that too too much lately and and the times that you have seen it i mean i can think back as far as like kevin smith's tusk you know i i (laughs) and then huh all right why can't things be weird i uh, i I love the walrus suit yeah and that okay you know just unusual looking probably not very effective in battle uh it's scary as hell to see that thing and it works brilliantly yeah and in contrast to the the you know kind of gaudy spike covered leather uniforms of the um, the, the biker gang uh, that was that was good that that really adds to that barbarian quest element that we're talking about that this is not uh, just a uh, guy getting revenge in the eighties this is like something so horrible has happened that we're going to enter an alternate 
kind of an alternate reality for a little while and just sort of live there. That I got that a lot from listeners. They just it was like they lot just didn't believe it. Like, no, you're in the same place. We aren't in the same place. So obviously, we decided to have this podcast over a couple beers um, to to pumpkin spice things up. I'm not giving you a hard time for drinking pumpkin spice cider tonight uh, because because it's awesome. I, that's right. Because and because I. I don't suffer from the kind of to- toxic masculinity that would give my friend a hard time for drinking such a... <laughs> um, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we can we can launch into today's topic, and that is storytelling's favorite antagonist, Senor Diablo. Mm, old scratch. Yes, yes. Satan is, you know, kind of back again. I feel like it's a bit more um, trendy to to wear to use you know uh, esoteric clothing and and um you know the new uh, sabrina the teenage witch but i guess it's just called sabrina on netflix uh-huh. that heavily focused witchcraft and the devil um this season of american horror story centered around the antichrist and and actually uh really falsely associated someone like anton Lavey with with uh, mythical satanism oh that was hilarious i uh, yeah, yeah when when he showed up i i faked my own death <laughs> <laughs> right i was laughing that was great the the, the church of satan actually took uh, umbrage with that i'm sure they, they did were, they were calling for a boycott i think because of the way they were being portrayed oh wow things really <laughs> are just in reverse right now aren't they uh, isn't that funny <laughs> Wow. What do you think of, have you seen a show called Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell? It's on Adult Swim and it's no. um, uh, it's one of my favorites. I, I don't know if there's going to be a fourth. I think they've done three seasons. I don't know if there'll be a fourth, but it is uh, hell is set up as a corporate structure. Uh, <laughs> demons are employees and Satan is the manager. Okay. And uh, I mean, it's just this, it's this Satan just walking around with uh you know, with a with a business shirt on, but then this uh, huge leather spiked cod piece and goat legs, and he's just got his, you know, his hell corp, uh, corp coffee mug, and he's kind of ordering the demons around. Well, uh, if I if I if I imagined hell, that's pretty much how I would imagine hell to be. I think anyone who's worked in any kind of corporate environment would agree with that. It seems that uh, all, for me that something kind of happened as I became an adult and kind of stopped believing in a lot of that superstitious stuff Mm -hmm. is um without the belief in a soul ghost movies became kind of irrelevant to me Uh, the movie with uh patrick swayze (laughs) what the hell are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) oh jesus actually shows up oh nice he's famous literally that's a pretty famous cameo (laughs) we got jesus on this one guys now listen he only showed up for a day they only had a couple hours with him but he shows up he makes an appearance I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a ghost fan now. And it is, to me, it is one of the most fun sort of satanic movies uh, out there. Right. But uh, yeah, it's it's a rad movie in which like witches are banding together secretly to make this prophecy come true that gets revenge on the the descendants of the, you know, the, the, the evil priests that burned them at the stake so long ago in Salem. I thought the ending was really 
interesting an interesting thing uh mud covered women slapping babies out in the forest around a fire it was some of that do you you feel like some of that gets lost everyone should stop and ask that question honestly at least once in their life you know if if you're going down that path pretty scary it's a pretty big gamble you're taking the introduction of of how science meets what we consider to be um to be death and to be darkness and to be demons and and how those two things live in the same world i think is a really fascinating concept and when you take it in that direction maybe right. maybe you would get something more akin to uh the world we saw in hellraiser 2 you know oh, this yeah. this place where uh suffering and pain uh is their form of education that's the one with the, the shit replacement right <laughs> no uh, this one was about a uh, yeah awful beings from another dimension where they think pain is the coolest thing, and, and I've been to clubs like that. Uh, yeah, I'll <laughs> <laughs> it's not so bad, really, especially on weekends. You know what I'd like to do? One of these days, you and I ought to just replace all the Bible verses with Journey lyrics. <laughs> you know, don't stop believing. You know, Journey. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet it wasn't a rough week for Dolph Lundgren. That man's a beast. <laughs> that, that makes no sense what I just said. <laughs> well, that, you might wonder what what's these guys deals with Ghostbusters. Never mind the fact that it's 30 years well, later. Well, that's it, right? That nerd culture, sort of the male fantasy. Uh, Luke's pretty damn good at everything, too. I mean, I've... I've watched the original Ghostbusters recently. It wasn't really impressive. It, it just kind of seemed like a get woke, go broke. There was not much you could do with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember by the time I was a teenager, Ghostbusters was kind of, you know, kind of considered lame, you know? I mean, what movies should we be watching now? What it's like Kevin Smith's Tusk. Well, the, well, the reason I ask is is because um, what, th- what I'm thinking is maybe 30 years from now, some of the stuff we're watching right now, True Detective right now, or Bird Box or something, you know, that they're, we're going to hear that they're remaking that again. Mm. And a bunch of, uh, you know, people in their 30s are going to be really excited about it. And all of us in our 60s are going to be going, it's not like it was, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is a, this is a legitimate criticism. Of you course know, they are. Yeah. There are certain things that we rely on to be consistent. You know, one of those things being gravity. It's This isn't the case. Uh you know, this, that's a bad movie. And I was like, what is George Lucas doing? Then I was watching a Kevin Smith um, interview once, and he was talking about how, and he said it very bluntly. He's like, hey, man, this film ain't for you. You had your film. This is someone else's film. Cool. You know, I don't know how familiar you are with the character of Miles Morales. Not at all. There's a little bit of a handoff, like a, a handing of the baton from the original Spider-Man to him. And uh-huh. it's done excellent. The animation is fantastic. Feels authentically different in a lot of ways. It feels very fresh. You know, it's like when you hear a really great cover, you know, some bands can do that. And yeah, it's very similar to the original, but it just feels fresh and you enjoy it just as much as you enjoyed that original song. Right. Huh. That doesn't sound like a movie I would expect to be good. These aren't, you know, art films. These aren't thinkers. These aren't like films where the target audience is adults, but the hero wears his underwear on the outside of his pant. I I don't know. I, I don't see a very bright future. We're at that point, like where all we're gonna have left is remakes. All we're gonna have is rehashes. That's where economics come into play. I think while while cinema has taken a little bit of a hit, I think that uh, television is at a golden period. Oh, okay. A Black Mirror is a great example. Um, Game of Thrones is a great example. Um, 
speaking of Donald Glover, Atlanta. If you've not seen the show Atlanta, I highly, highly I recommend it. It's like it's so fantastic. It's you would love it, especially it's got it's got a very avant garde sort of look at real life in Atlanta. But then it just goes weird, man. <laughs> in the best possible way. It does some weird, weird things. Like drug Fonzie, what do you imagine? like he's got a leather jacket and his hair is slicked back and it's like blood yeah, in, blood out he's for got most a flannel on and a do rag and he's his parents, right, right. Know, a few and generations back, his family probably lived in another country uh, where their skin is not white. Yes, of course, yeah. Right, right, right. Eh, maybe not the best change. A v- very mysterious, uh, sort of exotic-looking person, um, which, you know, sure, but yeah, why would they need to, to change that casting? That's that's so strange. It, it, it might, you know, I think, I think that, to sort of to put a bow on it, at the end of the day, things are rapidly changing in society and and to your point thor has previously been a horse-faced alien and a frog what does that matter to you why do you still need thor comic books you got what you got you had some stories about thor that you liked when you were 15 and they were really cool and and you still have those but why do you need thor to still be your thing today don't you have something else by now i want to be a ghostbuster i mean that's just what i'm saying man it's like you get these guys you know i used to like Batman. Who cares? If you're 35 years old, you should you shouldn't care. That's stupid. Grow up. You know, get over it. Get on. Move yeah. on to something else. Get diversify your tastes. Read a book. You'll be okay. Now it's now it's time go to go learn job um, skills. Listen again. Do something important go, for society. And and I would say even more than that, it's time for you to create oh, your yeah. own art now and understand that process. Understand the process of creating art, and then I think you will have. A better sense of an idea of what the impact of art is and what its role in society is and and when it's uh time to let go and that let it change and evolve and and oh yeah you nailed it man that if you if you make your own art the stuff out there isn't going to be anywhere near as important to you you're going to be you have something to focus on you know make your own exactly exactly so so that's my kind of feeling on it um i don't know if the the Ghostbusters episode three is going to be great or not. Uh, I, you think, know, I think you do know. See, let, I think you know. <laughs> Look, if, if, if Bill Murray is in it, I will give it a shot. <laughs> the man rarely, rarely lets us down. Uh, even that Christmas special he did. It brought me some joy. It's, it's called Ghostbusters. How often do you use either of those words in a sentence? This is Buster. <laughs> I'll use it as often as I want to. <laughs> Um, create your own, create your own art, and and then let's see how we feel, and and or or just put your own thing out in the world. I think that's going to be a far more satisfying use of your time than angrily typing away at the internet that the SJWs are ruining the world. So if you see some movie trailer coming out, something that reminds you of something from when you were a kid, or it's they're doing some idea again, don't be afraid of no remake. It's not, you're probably not the target audience. If it looks weird, if it's got some faces that are new. Uh, it's not for you. So if you want something, make your own. Like Kevin Smith's Tusk. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the rerun out of Original Ideas Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and wherever all fine podcasts can be found.